For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done. Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Welcome back to the All-American Brit Podcast on the Believe Podcasting Network. I'm your host, Johnny McEwen. Broadcasting this episode from rainy old London. It's been raining all day here today, but that's not going to get us down here on the All American Brit podcast. Thank you so much for taking the time to listen today. And who knows? Maybe you fancy a bet. Maybe maybe you fancy a bit of a flutter. And of course, the focus in the states right now is on the start of the NFL season. And as always, Bet Online is your number one spot for all the pro and college American football action this season. They've got a new updated site and interface, even more odds, props, and contests. Bet Online continues to be the number one source for everything American football. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today to receive your 100% welcome bonus. That's double your initial deposits just for signing up. Don't forget to use the promo code NFL100. Bet online, the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your favorite sports. Bet online, your online sports book experts. But in today's show, I want to talk about the game of football that's played with your feet. It's not only big news in Manchester, but around the world. One of the greatest footballers of all time is on his way back to the club that made him an international superstar. Cristiano Ronaldo made his return to Manchester United over the weekend. There was a lot of speculation around where Ronaldo would end up. There were links to the, for him to go to Manchester City, United's crosstown rival, and this put the fear into many United fans' hearts. The idea of Ronaldo in sky blue and not red just didn't seem right. Ronaldo had made his debut for United in 2003. He was only 18 years of age, and he was incredibly successful with the club. Three Premier League titles, one Champions League title with Manchester, five League Cups, five-time Ballon d'Or winner. He led Portugal to the European Championship, of course, in 2016. The only hardware missing from his trophy chest is a World Cup itself. He left Manchester in 2009 when he joined Real Madrid, and that Real team was extremely successful with Ronaldo. Four times Real won the Champions League with Ronaldo. And of course, he had incredible players around him. I mean, we're talking about the footballing mecca of Spain at Real Madrid. But Ronaldo was kind of always the focal point of those Real teams. He, of course, then made world news again. He's good at that, Ronaldo. He decided to take his talents to Juventus and play in the Italian League Serie A. And while they did win the Italian League... They never reached the pinnacle and were crowned European champions, and there was disappointment in their performances in the Champions League. Football is obviously loved around the world, but football is everything in Italy. And there was so much excitement about Ronaldo coming to Juventus, but I don't think it really panned out like they had hoped it would. And COVID was 
also a unfortunately large role in why Ronaldo's time at Juventus wasn't as successful as it could be. You know, fan attendance wasn't allowed and Juve faced incredible bills for their top man. And I think that they weren't worried about being able to see it through and how it would affect the team in the long run. So Ronaldo looked for suitors and before the most recent transfer window that closed on August 31st. And Man City, last year's Premier League winners, were always looking to be buyers in the market, so why wouldn't they take a look at Cristiano Ronaldo? This tormented United fans. The idea of their footballing, world footballing legend, who had made the beginning of his career in a United shirt, potentially spending the last few years of his footballing years playing for City, just felt so wrong. Well, they don't have to worry about that anymore because Cristiano Ronaldo is in the red of Man U and he made his re-debut last weekend. There was so much excitement leading up to the game, but there were also a lot of questions. The major one being, what number would he wear for the club? Edison Cavani, the Uruguayan centre-forward who plays for United, wears the number seven. And he arrived at the club less than a year ago. He was born in October of 2020. And he took the mantle of wearing the number seven when he came from Paris Saint-Germain. Cavani is a real talent, but I thought it was interesting that he wanted to rise to the challenge in a way of wearing the iconic number seven shirt. United legends like Eric Cantona, Michael Owen, David Beckham, and of course CR7, Cristiano Ronaldo, have all donned the number for United. There's also been some disappointments though. Alexi Sanchez went from United to Arsenal They were paying him over £400,000 a week, and he put on the number seven shirt, but many would like to forget his time as United's number seven. Cavani has had some success in his time in the UK and with United and with the number seven, but with Cristiano's impending arrival, people kind of ask the question, you know, what number is CR7 going to wear if it's not seven? You know, CR22 doesn't quite have the same ring to it. I saw all these news stories about, you know, uh, you know, here are the numbers that are available for Cristiano. Which one will he take? Because the rule is that once a season's begun, a player can't change their number like that. Then, all of a sudden, Man United have made some sort of deal with the Premier League. Cavani agreed to give up his number and give it to Ronaldo because another player had left during the transfer window from United, giving Cavani his other preferred number. And that would be available since the player had made his departure. So Cavani will wear 21 and Cristiano will be CR7. CR7 will indeed remain CR7. He actually, like, he said to the press once, I only want to be referred to as CR7. So there you go, CR7. In the days leading up, I did think there's no way Cristiano's not going to wear the number seven. And indeed, I was right. I should have had a bet on bet online about it. Maybe they'd have given me some good odds on that. Cristiano made his debut on Saturday, but unfortunately it wasn't on television here in the UK. You see, it's different than in the US, where you can watch basically every Premier League game in the United States. But the television rights here are so that the game isn't televised. There's actually a law created back in the 1960s that that ban games being played on Saturdays between like three and five in the afternoon from being on television. And the law was created by owners of clubs a long time ago because they didn't want to potentially not have fans in the stands on a weekend day like that and they wanted to make sure that there was always going to be attendance it's quite an archaic law it's quite old-fashioned now particularly now when clubs revenue is so driven by international television viewing figures and you know it's not just about the thousands of fans that you know are in the area that might not end up coming to the stadium there are fans all over the world contributing to the club's revenues you know just not the same as it was in the 60s and will always be on television every game is filmed it's just whether or not it's shown on air live 
and you know there are ways around it you know people but you know some people aren't that keen on illegally streaming it and anyway tv viewing rights is a for football is a, is a bigger conversation we can have but i will say because of the lack of media television coverage and not being able to see it here in the uk it kind of added to the drama of his return return you know the only way you'd see it is if you were actually there in person so tickets sold out incredibly quickly and some were reselling for hundreds and some for in some cases thousands of pounds for tickets to the cristiano re-debut I didn't venture up to Manchester, so like many footballing fans, I was on my updating my phone to see the score and waited till the end for highlight packages. A warm reception doesn't quite cover it. Ronaldo was given a hero's welcome, and he did classic Ronaldo things. Two goals on his triumphant return, the final scoreline 4-1 against Newcastle. It was the 200th time that Ronaldo had a double for either club or country. Just an unbelievable stat. Manchester have been playing amazing football in the last year or so, an amazing unbeaten stretch going back to the late part of 2020. And now with the additions of Sancho, Varane and Ronaldo, sights could not be set much higher for the red of Manchester. Not since 2017 have United won some hardware and they hope that these additions are going to bring them on their way. Other highlights from this weekend's Premier League action. Romelu Lukaku scored his first goal at Stamford Bridge. It seems as though Chelsea have found their missing piece to the puzzle. It's funny to say that about a side that's coming off of a Champions League final win, but they've been needing a guy who will consistently put goals in the back of the net, and Lukaku seems to fit the bill. Last season in the Premier League, their leading goal scorer for Chelsea was midfielder Jorginho with seven goals. Lukaku has three in three games. He'll certainly eclipse Jorginho this season and will be Chelsea's top goal scorer. Tuchel's Chelsea is so incredibly deep and there are so many top class options for all of the different competitions. But it must be said that winning the league is the goal and Chelsea look in a great position to try and challenge City, the other major contenders. But like I was talking about with our, with Manchester United and all of their new additions, they certainly could be a threat as well. And finally, a goal for Arsenal. Nearly five hours of football had been played by the Gunners without a goal, but finally they got their, they got their win over Norwich on the weekend. They weren't short on chances, lots of opportunities, but Aubameyang did put one back in the back of the net. And Mikel Arteta said that the last three weeks had been his best three weeks in football. Not because they were easy or full of success, but because he realised the significance of the club, the expectations of the fans and the quality of football that was being asked of him. It was kind of an interesting comment, the way he handled it in the press. He's got such a cool demeanour, but he seems to realise the importance now. I I guess it took... Three losses for him to figure out that people like their club. Anyway, hopefully the international break was exactly what the club needed. And they're going to make this push into the next part of the season. And speaking of the international break, the England national team were back to playing football. The first since their loss in the Euro final. And they got together for the World Cup qualifiers. All of the major football leagues stop down when the players travel with their international clubs to compete for places in the World Cup, which is really just around the corner now. So I'm back to watching England games, <laughs> and I was really excited leading up to the match, I must be honest. I I was really 
looking forward to seeing England play, but I also still felt a little bit of the pain from that final. Oh, the final, I don't want to get back into it. So England are playing again. <laughs> and because I'm here in the UK, I actually got to watch these qualifiers on television. It was uh, Thursday of the week before that England took on Hungary. And then on Sunday, they returned to Wembley. First time since the final. They're playing at Wembley and they played Andorra. It was a really tough game against Hungary. The first half was really, really tough. Nil-nil after 45 minutes. But England broke through in the second half with a goal from Raheem Sterling. And then another from Harry Kane. And then the other Harry, Harry Maguire, put one in the back of the net. And Declan Rice even got one too that kind of bobbled off the keeper. Um, Declan doesn't score that often. And his teammates were teasing him, you know, saying, you know, what a goal. <laughs> and everyone was saying it should have been an own goal, really, off the goalkeeper. But what a goal, Harry Kane said to him <laughs> during one of the interviews. Good to see the three points against a team like Hungary. They could be a challenge in our qualifier group, but we really handled them 4-0 on the day, and that gives us a great lie in the table as far as goal difference. And then on Sunday, England made their return to Wembley and took on Andorra. Andorra is a very, very small country that runs along the border of Spain and France. It's such a small country, in fact, that there are more seats in Wembley Stadium than there are people in Andorra. The last time England faced Andorra was also in the World Cup qualifiers, and they beat the side 6-0. So Wembley was packed and expecting to see plenty of goals. But it was a completely new team than the one that had played Hungary. 11, all 11 starters were different, and they were still a properly world-class side. You just realise how deep this England team is and how there's so much great talent top to bottom of the English roster. It wasn't a total goal fest after the first 45 minutes, only 1-0. Jesse Lingard put a ball in the back of the net off of a great first touch. And then after scoring the goal, he ran to the far corner and did what looked like the Ronaldo celebration, jumping into the air and doing a little 180 and letting out that ooh sound. He was said he was paying homage to the newly re-signed Manchester teammate. England had something ridiculous like 81% possession from the first half. And to their credit, Andorra did defend really well. But And after a couple more chances in the 60th-odd minute, Southgate decided that he needed to make some changes and really get the offense going. He brought in Mason Mount, Jack Grealish and Harry Kane, who had all started against Hungary, and their impact was felt immediately. Grealish and Mount put together a wonderful string of passes to get the second goal on the sheet, and then the gates just seemed to open. Lingard got his second. Bakaya Saka got a goal on the same end that he had missed the penalty in the European final and the ovation was just huge. It was what is so awesome to see how wonderfully received Saka was at Wembley. Of course, it was just such a horrible moment when he missed the penalty and the horrible outlash online that he went on to receive. But it seems as though since football fans are really aware of this and that there's just been this widespread acceptance and outpouring of love for Saka. It was really great to watch England just dominate. And like I said, this team is just so complete. I mean, the 11 guys who started and then the other 11 who started, I mean, you take either one of them. I mean, they're just fantastic, top to bottom. So good to see England dominating. Let's hope for more finals and less heartbreak. Eh? And 
finally, I want to end with news in the world of tennis. The finals of the US Open were held on Saturday and Sunday. And Saturday, history was made by British finalist Emma Raducanu. Only 18 years old, Emma is now the reigning US Open tennis champion on what was a truly unlikely run from the teenager. She didn't have a high enough ranking to immediately qualify, so she had to play qualifying matches to get into the tournament. And it's the first time ever that the female US Open winner has come through in the qualifiers. She's the first British female Grand Slam winner since 1977, when Virginia Wade won at Wimbledon. It was a phenomenal match against Leila Fernandez, who is also just a teenager. Emma will now be a huge star in British sport, and hopefully this is just the beginning of what will be an amazing career for her. And in the men's final, it was Novak Djokovic versus Danilo Medvedev. Djokovic is, of course, a legend of the game. 31 finals in his career, 20 victories. But it ended up being Medvedev's day. It was just his third final, but his first win. I've always been wowed by Medvedev on the court. And maybe this has been his breakthrough moment. We'll see if this is now the age of Medvedev after years of, you know, Federer, Nadal, Djokovic. Medvedev has finally broken through, gotten his first Grand Slam. So we'll see. This could be the beginning of a new era in tennis. Thanks so much for taking the time to listen today. I really appreciate it. For the All-American Brit Podcast on the Believe Podcasting Network, presented by Bet Online, I'm your host, Johnny McEwen. Be sure to follow me on Instagram and Twitter at AABritPod. And until next time, take care. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.